The Pokes Report podcast is sponsored by Stillwater Barber Company, located at 609 South Main Street, right here in Stillwater. Randall and Joe are serving up the best haircuts in town, which includes regular haircuts and skin and razor fades, as well as shaves and beard care and trims. The beard care includes a wonderful blend of beard balm, beard oil, and just a little bit of steam to bring it all together. And as always, shampoo and conditioners are two for $20, and I can vouch for the shampoo because that's what I've been using for the past several months. It's a wonderful tea tree oil shampoo paraben and sulfate free that leaves your hair and scalp squeaky clean and smelling great and as always you can find blue roaming around the shop so give them a call at 405-269-8590 or you can check them out at stillwaterbarber.co to book an appointment today Welcome to the Pokes Report Podcast. Zach Lancaster here alongside Brian Murphy. We got a lot to talk about. Lots happening. season, baby. Lots happened. We got basketball to talk about. We've got softball to talk about. We got baseball to talk about. Here's where I messed up last. I think it was last podcast. You remember whenever I said... The Dorado? It may have been, and it may have... Actually, it may have been the... One before Dorado. Uh, no, no, no. It may have been the... Because we, we talked a bunch of sports, but we just released baseball because it was a, that good of yeah. a conversation yeah. i wild. read off whoever's tweet it was that talked about how good of a time it was for the athletic department and it was like www like 15 w's and one loss in there that's mm-hmm. my bad for reading that because since then <clears throat> it hadn't been there's, well there's been some public uh you know because basketball is on on tv and all the other stuff is on flow it's on espn plus it's on so I'm going to take uh, – you know what? I'm going to take responsibility for Caleb Boone being in foul trouble. Okay. Not okay. Not Caleb. I'm okay Don't with get that. on Caleb. I'm okay with that. Um, Y'all have some nice football articles coming out, though. Yeah, I know this yeah. isn't going to be a huge football podcast. Nothing yet. But uh, probably next week or the week after is when we'll really dive into football because there's a lot of really important stuff. You can check out at pokesreport.com. Um, OSU has started a 7-on-7 seven seven this spring, which is – if you wa- if you cover high school seven on seven, it's really explosive. It's really fun, um, and yeah. so that's so that's a big one there. Um, My opinion, NCAA should capitalize on that. I would think a so. spring seven on seven. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be. I, fun. I think that could be huge. Um, no the, offense to offensive and defensive linemen. I will say this: this could make Oklahoma State fans happy. Uh, the top article on Pokes Report. I'm not going to go too deeply into it, but David Glidden is back on staff as an analyst, nice. or on staff to begin with. I think he was at Memphis, right? Okay. He was the, uh, I believe, the receivers coach at Memphis. So uh, David Glidden on staff as an analyst. So Very certainly nice. going to, I would imagine, move up through the through the ranks here in Stillwater. But we've got Roberts coming out with an article. It's like if you could change the premises, if you could change one thing on Oklahoma State or any other Big 12 program, and then he's going to list what that is. But my, mine was offensive line, and I think you you had something similar as well. So mm-hmm. be sure to check that out. Lots of stuff, lots of in-depth premium stuff there on football. But uh, this is mainly going to be a round ball. Fire Casey Dunn. That's what y'all need <laughs> what to do. What are y'all thinking? Bringing it. Yeah, so uh, but we'll have plenty of football conversation. We're going to try to get Robert on over the next couple of weeks and uh, see if we can't try to dive into spring football because a lot of important stuff coming up. Very quickly on that. Here's what I think, and I said that I actually talked to Robert on air today. For just a quick second, because he he brought that up, I'm very interested in the in the chess match that goes on between offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators. What we've heard is that three man front is what a lot of the league is going to right. Mm-hmm. TCU's gone to it. Kansas State, Iowa State has has perfected it. 
offensive coordinators are now, okay, ball's in your court. Now what are you going to do? Because you still have to run the ball against them. They're doing this rush three, drop eight, mm-hmm. umbrella, you know, type thing. Well, you still have to figure out how to get how to get blockers into the second level, to the third level, to create those big runs. Because you can't win on only, you know, I think uh, Robert said Dominic Richardson's longest run of the year was 19 yards. That's not, that ain't going to do it. You know, you've no. got to have explosive runs too. So watching how offensive coordinators, especially ours, adjust the offense to a three-man front. He's going to get to do it a lot in practice. And, um, you know, I know that there's been some talk about spring game on, off, you know, the practice, all that. We'll get there. But, uh, you know, seeing how that plays out and what their adjustments are, I think that's – especially in the run game against a three-man front should be very interesting. Yeah, no question. Because it's going to be a different look offense. You know, you, you're obviously returning Jane Nixon and uh, DeAndre Jackson and Ollie, Ollie Gordon. So, I mean, that's going to stay the same. Elijah but Collins. But you're bringing in Elijah Collins. You're bringing in – Three new wide receivers. You'll you'll have receivers back, but you're most likely going to have a new quarterback in Allen Bowman. Offensive line is you've got a couple of new pieces, but it's going to have a new look to it. They're they're changing up the scheme. So this is a this is a really important spring. There's no question, and and looking forward to having Robert on eventually and diving into spring football and and, and all, all the new stuff, ways so. that coaches can get with the players and teach. There's there's some new times that they can be with the. It's I think it's interesting how. You can be out there coaching through mm-hmm. walkthroughs, but if footballs come out of the side, that's where the seven on seven thing came from. Yeah. If footballs come out, the coaches have to leave. Yeah, that's that, that's a it's, weird, but it's weird. Whatever. And they've adjusted the summer as well, and so it's football is changing. I think. I, I think not just Oklahoma State, but just in general. And they're talking about new rule changes, yeah. and and I, I think some of those are good. So we'll, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Speaking of the boys of summer, yeah, I want to talk some baseball. Yeah, yeah, this weekend, huge weekend down in uh, in in Arlington at the Rangers ballpark. That uh, you know the Cowboys go one and two. They win the first game. Boy, you think, all right, we're off and running. Here we go, beating Missouri mm-hmm. nine to eight. Uh, then you have the next game. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. I would love to know the behind the scenes. Did Brennan Phillips did through the fall through early spring? Was he the second best starter that you saw? Was was Jansen who pitched last night through and you know the first part of a no hitter, five point one innings, five five and a third, got an out in the sixth, and then had eleven strikeouts. Was was he sick? You know, did something happen to where you have to adjust the starting lineup? Because it's it's unorthodox. I'll put it that way to start a true freshman. In a major league ballpark, second game of the year against the number ten team in the nation, who you know coming in they can hit. You knew that. The other part, you know, and, and I think only Rob Walton can could probably answer this. Uh, is it a he's a, he's eighty eight to ninety mm. miles an hour curveball changeup kind of guy? Are you trying to throw him off balance? You know what that that was an, an interesting one. I it's kind of one of those where I, I can sit here in his opinion. I didn't like it. And I, I would have said that before pitch one. Uh, but you're also interested to see what a highly touted recruit or a, one that they're really excited about recruit. Stars don't really matter. But even if they do, I don't even know if they do stars in baseball. I don't think so. We're going to say he was a five-star because mm. we he was a Pokes Report five-star player because we can. Well, and Owasso puts out a lot of them. Owasso does do that. My goodness. So, um, anyways, it, 
Well, you I, go with Brennan there. I'm okay with it because when you look at it, I, I understand both sides. I understand the need of well, why are we throwing him out there? You're going up against Vanderbilt, you know. You're, but on the other side of it, it's you're not going to face another Vanderbilt for a while. Obviously, you got Arkansas, but you look at the the rest of non-conference. Is Arizona State going to be good like they used to be? You've got Utah Tech. I mean, Dallas Baptist hey, could be don't interesting. Tell Justin Kirkland about Utah Tech. Why do you think he left? It's Utah Tech. <laughs> but, you know, it's we've got a young guy who we think is going to be really, really promising. He's obviously going to be a big asset for our program. Throw him to the Wolves. Let's let's see what he can do, sink or swim. And while you don't want to go one and two in your first three games, a 5-3 win over Missouri, I think that's good. Um, but 11-9 lost to Vanderbilt. Yeah, you lost, but you went 11-9. You know, so it's not like you got blown out like you did with Arkansas. Not like 18-1. to one. Yeah, that was... But then, you know what? Let's just do this. Let's just skip the Arkansas game. Put it. But much like in the movie Dumb and Dumber, those pitchers you didn't think they could get any dumber, and then they go and totally redeem themselves by throwing a combined no hitter. Yeah, it was huge. You know, when you look at it, um, five different. I think the first time, yeah, the first time they combined for a no hitter since '93. Yeah, uh, and it was five of them. I clicked the wrong button. I'm gonna but go you have those names. Recap. We're gonna. I don't, don't want to go bet, to Cal Baptist. Website. I bet that there's only. If if you knew these names, please tweet us. If you if you knew these names and have a Twitter account, please tweet us because I'd love to meet you. You would know. Guaranteed, Jay will be like I'd for sure one. Obvi- Nolan McLean picks up his second save on the year. I meant the '93 guys. <laughs> I mean, if oh, you know, if you know oh, who the 93 oh, 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 guys are okay, and okay. have a Twitter account, I'll okay. be impressed. I was like, uh, you'll know Nolan McLean. I don't know yeah. what you're talking about. Uh, so, not, it's the first time. Uh, it's the first no-hitter since uh, Justin Campbell's in 2021. I believe that was Kansas on May 8th, 12th overall. And then the first since 93, they did it against Missouri Southern. Jason Bell, Brent Nichols, uh, Rob Gaco, and Marcus Cooper. I, I think it's Cooper. C-U-P-E-R. It's either Cooper or Cupper, but I think it's Cooper. Um, Tom Dorado would know all. Tom Dorado would know all of those. Yes, he'd say, "Oh, they're all that's Hall he's, of Honor." He's had four of them on. Where are they now? So oh, you know, I'm sure. Yeah, when you look at what uh, when you look at what Jansen Kiesel was able to do, that's that's I think this was his uh, Oklahoma State debut. Came from BYU. Yep. It's important to get, and, and you're going to see a load of arms, right? You're you're going to see more arms in the next. I think they've got thirteen of fourteen. At home, I think their next 13 to 14 are at home, or it's 14 to 15 at home. A bunch. You're going to see a lot of guys. And and honestly, there will probably be a handful of guys that you see three games against Loyola Marymount. You've got one against Missouri State. You've got three against Austin P. two against Arizona State, four against Utah Tech. Uh, two of those are a doubleheader on Saturday, May 11, March 11th. you got Dallas Baptist. You're, you're going to see a handful of guys that you probably won't see again maybe the rest of the year. Because when you look at, like, Ryan Bogus last year, he had a handful. Like, he pitched throughout the year, but you really didn't see Bogus until the Big 12 tournament. Mm-hmm. And that's when you really saw him come out. Yeah. So that's I, I think that's what you're going to get between now and March 14th. Well, and it, it was fun to see Watts Brown get out there. Yeah. I mean, Jaron, what what an athlete. Three time was he three three different sports mm-hmm. in his senior year of high school that he was the player, not all conference, not all state. He was the player of the year. Um, you know, and yeah. then Jansen was the player uh this uh, player of the year or he was all state 
in two different so I mean you have you've got athletes out there and then out of the bullpen you've got uh you've got six six foot nine guys coming in throwing <laughs> throwing 96 97 and then top it off with Nolan coming out throwing 95 to 100 um you know and and Nolan his he looked so much more under control on the mound like and I know that he's still new in this and spent all summer you know it said that he spent all last fall honing his craft on the mound getting more comfortable up there you could see that he just looked he looked at home especially in that closers role obviously you know him and the the Orioles weren't able to come to terms I don't know what that was I appreciate him and I don't know if it'll I'm sure it'll come out eventually whether it's money whether it's you know we we took you first pick in the third round but maybe we drafted you a little higher than we wanted to, whatever it was. You know that he took whatever they told him to heart. He yep. had a big summer, big fall. I don't think you're going to see Nolan out there throwing eight-inning games. But I think you're going to see him in a much more expanded role, whether whether that's coming in as a reliever and throwing three or four innings, whether that's as a closer. I mean, he's had two saves in four games. So I mean, that's huge. I think you're right. I mean, you look at his control. You look at his command. You look at the – not that he was uncomfortable last year, but there's a there's a different level of comfort you see from him in these first couple of games it was, of the year. It was new, uh, and it was new at this level. Mm, I think know, that's the important thing. And and something else that he changed. Did you see – do you know what he changed batting? Do you know what he did? Do you want the real answer, or do you want the, the – I've already told the, you the answer. The, the appeasement answer. Appease me. I think he, I think he changed his batting. Out of baby, all right. Yeah. So he he widened his he widened his feet out. There's a lot of guys that whenever they widen their feet out, what it does is it it cuts down on the stride. Okay, so if you're a, he last year he was a tall hitter, he was really tall, and then you're going to stride out to that same length. When you do that, drops your eyes. Okay, we're getting into like batting lessons and stuff, but what he's done now is he stabilized his eyes. He's made it to where he can see the ball longer, see the ball faster. He's not trying to swing out of his shoes to hit it over the scoreboard every time. Now, he's strong enough. This is a great part. He's strong enough to go ahead and do it. We saw that in Arlington. Mm -hmm. Still hit it 430 feet or whatever the distance was. Still had the exit velocity. of, You know, Buddy Jay was down there, and he said, like, the instant that a guy would make contact, the foul balls, um, hit balls in play, you saw the exit velocity, the degrees, the expected distance. Like he was like even he goes, I was having fun watching that on foul balls. Like, ah, he only hit that one fifty. You know, but uh he's wide enough now that he is cutting down the strikeouts. You're not getting to two strikes as much. He has I think it's nine walks to three strikeouts. Last year that would have been nine strikeouts to one walk. So he's you know, when when your three hole is getting on base uh five out of eight times, it's pretty Usually pretty good. And then last night, Mendham, uh, you know, puts one into the bullpen. Yeah. Your four-hole puts one in the bullpen. He's played an amazing first base. Um, and uh, Adam Miola. Did you know? Did you know? I found this out after the game. Did you know they were doing uh, – have you ever seen Quick Change? You know those guys who go out there? That was actually Nolan Arenado hung around to get some game experience before going to mm. Phoenix before going to Arizona. That was Nolan at third base that you saw in the highlights. I thought it, I, you know. Miola would come hit I whenever. I thought it looked like Aiden in in the box. It was him batting. Okay. Nolan Arenado that in the field sense. making those plays. That makes sense. Yeah, no, I, when you look at, when you look at how solid this, this infield is, now I, I think there's still, 
first base isn't like a mess. It's not like they don't know who they're for, but they've got a couple of options. They, they're trying to figure that out. But you got, you know, you get Aiden at third, you get Marcus Brown at second, or at short, excuse me, you know, Rocket second. You look, I mean, it, it's such a solid, like this, I'm not saying that this is going to be the best infield that they've had in a long time, but when you look at the middle and you look at the fact that you could, in fact, rotate, you know, Nolan out there in third, and he's going to bounce around all over the outfield and, and play a little bit here, a little bit there, but the defense, the, the defense on this team looks to be incredibly solid this year. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying Jake Thompson in left field was a hole right. in left field last year. He was he's not the fastest. We you put uh let's see Carson Binge, he was only DH. He wasn't left field was he first game? I don't but think so, so Sylvester can play out there. First guy to hit a home run uh coming over from from Hawaii. And so he was he was the first one to hit a homer and then uh got Wolfert, who all of the other players had, the players talked about him, the coaches talked about him. They were excited to see him. Yeah, he struggled out of the gate, but you've got options. And if if you didn't catch our preview, the baseball preview with Tom Dorado, I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be a podcast that you could listen to at any point in the year. It still you're, holds you're, up. Yeah, you're going to come up to a game, uh, even if it's in March. We've talked about so many names on there, and Tom talks about, Different positions, guys up the middle. Your defensive, all the. I bet we. I bet we named twelve pitchers. There's a good chance that you're going to know some. You can impress the person yeah. next to you by knowing something about the guy that gets on the mound. Yeah, and and when you, especially when you talk about some of the transfers, you know, you've got you've got a load of transfers that are going to be playing this year. Whether it's strictly a non-conference, trying to figure out where they fit into the rotation, whether it's a starter as a reliever, you look at all the youth that they have throughout the field. I mean, a guy like Carson Binge. You know, we, we talked about him on the baseball preview. We've talked about him, you know, on the radio show. He's a guy, I think he's a redshirt freshman or a sophomore. I, I think he's a redshirt freshman. He gets hurt. and But very young. Not a lot of people know who he is other than the fact that he's a binge. Probably the most athletic guy on the roster. And he's a guy that's going to play everywhere. That's that's a guy that people are like, well, where did this guy come from? Well, he was here last year. But that's that's one of the beauties of Oklahoma State. And that's why you do see maybe not as many as – like other sports, like football, and I'm not even talking about Oklahoma State, but just like softball or football or basketball, there's a load of transfers. You know, Oklahoma State baseball, they have guys transfer out, but they're guys, and, and that's the thing about baseball is every single guy on this team was one of the best or the best player in his conference or his district or certainly on his team. They're incredible. It's like Oklahoma State wrestling. You are loaded with state champions and all-staters top to bottom. Well, if you if you're starting nine – Probably not going to change that often, except for pitcher. You're going to rotate pitchers in and out. But if you were an all-state baseball player and you played center field and you're incredibly good, but you're not quite as good as a starting center fielder, chances of you playing a lot are probably pretty slim. It's not that Oklahoma State doesn't want you here. It's not that Josh doesn't want you here, that you're that he doesn't want to play you. But you're probably not going to play a lot. So that's why you're going to transfer out. And that's But they also bring a lot of guys in. And these are guys that you'll probably see over the next couple of weeks, and there's probably most, I would say, or, or a good portion of them that you're probably not going to see for the rest of the year because they're trying to figure it out. And that's what non-conference does. You're going to get a couple of real grinders that are you're, test every single player on that roster, and then you're going to get games like Utah Tech. You're going to play a Cal Baptist. 
no offense. I mean, it was two nothing, so it wasn't. But but everyone's trying to figure stuff out. Loyola Marymount. Mm-hmm. That should be a three game sweep. Well, I, I do have one addition to the team that that I think would help us out of the bullpen. Mm. A lefty. Oh, I I do love a good lefty. Lefty out of the pen. Uh, submariner. Okay. I know. That, I like it. You don't see that very often. Like a severe submariner. Yeah. Uh, probably always going to pitch out of the windup though. So that's but kind of does a slide off, step off, off the rubber. Name's Kelly Maxwell. Yeah. Okay. So if you if if point five eight is good enough in softball, I think it'd be pretty good in baseball too. I'd like to see how fast she could get a a ball sixty feet. So no, she had a heck of transitioning a little uh-huh. bit to softball. St. Peter Clearwater, St. Petersburg this last weekend, they crushed it. Uh, five five and zero. Oh, uh-huh. And four, I think four run rules. Four run rules, yeah. uh, a couple of a couple of receiving votes, and then great game. I know you wanted to hit on it, the uh, Virginia Tech game. As good as run rules are, like y- you want a dominating win over A and M. Six, you know, eight zero. It's a six inning game. Think Kenny wanted that. <laughs> I, th- I think Texas A and M probably that was probably the game they had circled. They wanted to win that one the most. Um, Nebraska ten zero and five. You know, 12-2, five inning over Louisiana, 15-6, six, six inning over Michigan. Like, all that's huge. But when you look at that Virginia Tech game, they're 8-9 in the rankings, probably a little bit better now. I haven't looked at where they're at. But you play them 10-9. to nine. Kylie Naomi's incredible. You know, the pitching was good. It was good enough. And that when you're when you're six games into the season, seven games in, I think, is where they were. That's what you want. You want girls just doing enough, especially against a top ten team. Both of these teams are going to get better throughout the year, but that's an that's an Oklahoma City game. That's yes. a that is a College World Series, you know, three versus eight. Maybe a that's like a semifinal game mm-hmm. right there. That's a game that's going to go the absolute distance. Maybe it's going to go into extras. There's going to be fourteen thousand people. It's going to be one of the most watched games of the year, and Oklahoma State found a way to get over that hump. And yep. that's huge cuz Virginia Tech's a really really good softball. One of the 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 best parts about that, we know Kelly Maxwell is a known. Okay, she she has proven over and over again she's going to be rock solid mm-hmm. out there. She going to give up runs for the rest of the, yes, she's going to give up runs. But what Kenny didn't do in that game is he didn't get away from Lexi Kilfoyle and say, "Okay, Kelly, can you go save us please?" No, he kept he kept running Lexi out there and just said, "Hey, we're sticking with you. You know, we believe in you. We're sticking with you." And and she did and and we come out on top of the game. Uh I thought that they got another good start um Kyra Acock. I yeah. mean, I think she as a freshman, she throws so hard. I mean, her and Lexi are both tall pitchers, but uh and and Lexi's more of a sinker ball type pitcher. I mean, has a drop ball, but Kyrie Acock just throws hard, yeah. and she's an imposing figure on the mound and then throws hard. You know, I'm not going to say like Randy Johnson, but that type where it, she just looks even bigger. Especially that And young. then all of a sudden, yes, and doesn't look like a freshman yeah. as far as, you know, the ball coming out of her hand. So I think that she has – she had a um, a one-hitter against – we almost had two no-hitters in like four, four days, uh, Oklahoma State Athletics. But, you know, so – she she looks really good. I'm excited about those three. And well, you talk about those three. When you go back to the media day that that we had with Kenny, I can't. I think it was like a week before the season started. 
he said, we've got four pitchers that we're going to rotate in and out as starters. And you're thinking, I I don't so, think that's how, accurate. Kenny. How many? Did, <laughs> are you talking like relievers or because like four pitchers starting four four starting? Like, that's like baseball. You know, you, yeah. t- you typically aren't going to have four. Now, to be fair, you will start more than two girls all year long. Like you're going to have other players that have to start. But they're stopgap fillers. They're they're girls that are trying to figure it out or, you know, they can go out there and they can give you a couple three innings just to kind of, you know, get you to a reliever. You've got Kelly Maxwell, whole other level. Sure. Period. I, you, She's best of the best across college softball. All-American. But you've got three other players that are competing for that number two spot. Now, there'll be... As we move along, they'll they'll differentiate. You know, Kelly's going to stay on top, and and you'll have three girls that'll cycle between that two, three, and four spot. But there are four legitimate starters on this roster, and it that's something that not many people see. Pull up the schedule and go through, go through. Softball is so much different. Baseball usually plays one. You'd have to have a rain out to do a double mm-hmm. header, but for the most part, softball is playing like in their in their non conference right now. They're doing these classics. It's not like you just go to, uh, you know, I'll pick Virginia Tech. Yeah. You don't just go to Virginia Tech like baseball would and go play a three-game series yeah. or like Arizona State's going to come here. So, uh, so like Friday the 24th, you've got New Mexico at 10 a.m. and then you turn around and play Nebraska at 12.30. And then you play 10 a.m. CSU Bakerfield and then 12.30 New Mexico State on Saturday. And then you play a game on Sunday in El. And those four are in New Mexico. Yeah. You play UTEP on the road on Sunday in El Paso, and then you turn around and you play March third two games, March fourth two games, March fifth two games, and then you have a three game. That's the only difference. Cowgirl Invitational. You'll have three against Florida State at home Friday, Saturday, Sunday. By having four pitchers that you trust, and we're going the fourth one probably be an Ivy uh, Rosenberg. Mm-hmm. By having four, you can. You can rest Kelly. You know, whenever we get to conference, you're probably going to see Kelly do the Friday Sunday. Probably will. Depending, yeah, depending on you know, the, the team. Yes, and but until then, you don't wear her out before conference play. You know, like, and I'm not saying that old school teams would, but the schedule you just you can't even throw her every other game. Because legs wear out. Well, once your legs wear out, your accuracy wears out. I mean, right you go, now you go back 2019. Through nine games, you'll probably you probably would have seen Sam Shaw five or six times, right? Right, and that's not the case, mm-hmm. which is huge, right? And so, yeah, you're only throwing Kelly four times, you know, and, and those are against generally your better teams. But again, we played a, a top eight team, and we started Lex Kilfoyle and and won the game. Mm-hmm. So I think that that that's huge. The top, you know, to batting, the top of the lineup right now is unbelievable. You've got. Becker hitting 500, uh, Edwards hitting, who should be a senior in high school. Yeah, she should be going through spring ball. She right should now. be playing sophomore and running <laughs> running track or something. Right, but <laughs> she no, should've. she's out here hitting 480 or whatever. Yeah. The uh, don't have the you know it, it's above 450, well above 450, and uh, no, not the time, the uh, her batting average. But um, oh, and I got a message. Yeah, so yeah. you know, and then Kylie Naomi, Naomi with. Four home runs hitting in the three hole right behind her in batting. That's your one, two, three in in batting average. I mean, they're they're doing it on the in the circle. Seventy two strikeouts to seven to twelve. Is it twelve? Yeah, many? yeah. Because seventeen we, walks, not many. No, because when you look at like Virginia Tech, 
you had just four strikeouts on the day. Now, Oklahoma State or Virginia Tech only struck out three times, but if you were to put Kelly Maxwell in there, Maxwell is is averaging anywhere between eight and 17 strikeouts a game, which eight's on the incredibly low end. I think it's probably safer to say there's probably 12 to 17. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, it's bonkers. They've, they've started to figure it out, and we talk about, you know, Michaela Work is incredible. Kylie Naomi, you don't even have to talk about Cheyenne Factor. I think she went three for three, or um, two for three, I think, against, uh, or against Virginia Tech. I mean, Top to bottom, this team, Morgan Wynn has figured it out. Caitlin Carwile, you know, she's incredible. This this team is just so deep. Carwile and Edwards, I, I love watching them hit because, like, being a baseball background, the, the lefty slap hitters, that's mm-hmm. foreign to me. Like, oh, I, yeah. I, I don't get it. You know, it's that whole, like, okay, I do get it because you're two steps out of the box already. Mm-hmm. But in a clutch situation, how often do you see right. that work? Right. Um, but – this team is figuring out. Say it is, I looked it up. Seventy-two strikeouts for our pitchers. Seventy-two strikeouts, twelve walks. Our hitters, thirty-five strikeouts on the year, thirty-seven walks. Yeah, that's huge. They're as a team, walking more than striking out. That's, a that's, that's crazy amount of patience. Yes. All right, now I want to. I guess it's not really fair to go from softball as as Number high three as they in the are nation to. A team that has struggled, lost three in a row. Number the last three, couple of weeks. There you go. I. It doesn't make a lot of sense because you go when you talk about men's basketball, you go seven of eight, and and I understand. I'm not trying to winning seven of eight in Big Twelve. Of course, I one of them was a non-con, but so going six of eight in in Big Twelve play, incredible. Yeah. I, I'm, I'll never take that away. You you swept Iowa State. A good Iowa State team, albeit the first time half most than half the game was out without Caleb Grill. Uh, the the second half they were on a big slide. You know the first time you or the only time you beat TCU, you did it at home, but they didn't have Mike Miles, they didn't have Eddie Lampkin, they were a different team. They fought all the way back, took the lead, and you battled them back, and you held on. That's huge. Mm-hmm. But you swept OU. Uh, it, I, this isn't even like an Oklahoma State, and they are a horrible yes. basketball team. Mm-hmm. I. I think pains like, me to hear you say that. By the way, like, like honestly, <laughs> if if Oklahoma State they played tonight and they're on a three game losing streak, with how Oklahoma State has played, I don't think OU would be able to win. No, I'm with you. But when you look at how Oklahoma State now, I don't know if there. Were, I, I said it yesterday on my show. I don't know if there was a moment against Kansas in the second half where I was like. Okay, Oklahoma State makes a little bit of a run. They cut they cut it to five or six or seven points, but then KU would immediately go on like a six point run or a seven eight oh run and immediately get it back up to twelve, thirteen, fourteen points. I mean it Kansas is a different animal now. And and I think we knew going in that they were a better team than they were to begin with. But I think they're a hell of a lot better than a lot of people gave, myself included, gave him credit for. Well, D- Doug Gottlieb tweets after the game, I mean, within 30 minutes of the game ending, that he proves it yet again that Bill Self is the best coach in America. Period. And Yeah, he's and incredible. The best coach in America doesn't mean best recruiter and he just rolls the basketball out there. And we're gonna, that means he has to scheme too. Adjustments, in-game adjustment, and that's the big one. And I, I put on Instagram that it, it was a, a photo of Jalen Wilson, Grady Dick, and um, Bill Self. I don't know. You could take that three, and they would compete against a team's two best players and their coach 
and and probably come out with a championship. This this may have been a few years before your heyday, but Grady Dick that game, I actually tweeted. I said, "Oh, so this is what it was like to go against Prime JJ Redick." Yeah, because I mean, everything every time he'd jump up, boom, ball was going in, yeah. and uh, I think it was Roy Williams at the time said. As soon as he gets off the bus, he's within range. you yeah. got to start guarding him. And that's the way Grady Dick was that night. But, yeah. um, you know, the the last few games, the up – They don't make any – they gonna, don't make sense. We're not going to put it on, on one player. I mean, I think that – I think there's a combination of two things here. My friend Jay said he, – he texted me and said, I didn't know that losing Avery Anderson meant 20-point difference defensively. Mm-hmm. I don't know that that does, but I think that – um, well, it's safe to say that a, it's a it's a thirty point swing because we're talking defense and and the I, I think he's he averaging was, eleven. So if he if he stops nine points a game, well, there's a twenty point swing. So but, there's twenty, and then depending on the game, I mean, the other yeah. part of it is in the last two games, Caleb Boone's played sixteen minutes, sixteen minutes. You know, just, with that's that's the part that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, because as you, I think we talked about it. Um, I was either yesterday or, or Monday or something. Uh, Kansas Caleb, that that's that's an NBA prospect. Yes, you know that that's a kid that goes out there and drops twenty seven points, albeit they don't have a David McCormick, but it's still Kansas. They still play good defense. They're still going to beat you down on the other end of the court. And Caleb put up twenty seven career high. It was inc- that was that was an incredible game for Caleb. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to it's, TCU. That was that's a money making game for Caleb. Hundred percent. And then you go to TCU, and it, all, I don't want to say completely negates. Because and that's where I'll agree with you that I can't just put it on one player. Right. Oklahoma State didn't lose to TCU because of Caleb. But when Caleb picks up two quick fouls and then doesn't get back onto the court until late in the third quarter, late in the in the second half, and picks up a quick third foul, and then doesn't play the rest of the, I think he played less than ten minutes against TCU. I mean, it was it was one of those things where it just. Yes, I understand the need to hit three pointers because threes are better than twos, but if you're not hitting threes, you at least need to get two. And if Caleb's on the bench, no one else – because I think – let's see, it was 50 to 20 points in the paint. TCU scored 50 points yeah. in the – Oklahoma State scored 20. And the, and, and the 50 is almost as wild to me as uh, – was it TCU that scored 100? on a, In a 40-minute game, you scored two and a half points a minute. That's all – that's – for 40 minutes, that's a three per minute, mm-hmm. you know, and, and with a team that has Musa Cisse on it, that you you couldn't watch that game and get sick of seeing that and just go, you're staying out there until you get tired. You're just staying out there until you're plumb worn out, Yeah, you know. So uh, I think that I think for this team to, to turn it back around, this is where Bryce Thompson has to, I mean, he has to, he has to shoulder the load, and I'm sorry, Bryce, this may be unfair to you, you have to shoulder the load, the load of what Avery brought and what you bring. Mm-hmm. Like you, you have to be that and, guy, and that's with him scoring eighteen against TCU. Yeah, like he. And I'm not saying that Kansas State on Saturday is an absolute must win, but you it's need pretty darn close. You need eight wins in conference play. You've got a top fifteen team coming in. Whether they've struggled in Big Twelve play or not, they still have twenty wins on the year. They're a very good basketball team. You played them somewhat close on the road in Manhattan. I don't care if you just got outscored. I don't care if you just gave up two hundred and seventy two points in three games. That's eighty seven to Kansas. That's a hundred to TCU, and that is eighty five to West Virginia. You have to go out there and beat West uh, beat Kansas State. And and honestly, 
Caleb needs to have more than 10 minutes. Period, period. Like, like that's end of story. Caleb <laughs> Caleb needs to play like 35 minutes. Well, I love and needs to have 15 or more points, and Bryce needs to have more than 20 points. Boyd, Boynton's um, comment about Cade after one of the first games that he was, uh, not Cade, uh, Caleb, that he was good, that he goes, we're on game 100. Mm-hmm. We need to know which one's showing up every night, not going, Shouldn't be the issue. well, hopefully it's good Boone tonight. Because that's know. the question going into Saturday. It is. Against Kansas State. It's... Well, are you going to get Kansas, Caleb, or are you going to get played less than fifteen minutes and scored less than ten points, Caleb? Yeah, that's. That, I'm not saying that Caleb. That this if Caleb doesn't play on Saturday, that this team is going to lose. But if Caleb doesn't play on Saturday, this team is going to struggle. And and for Caleb's future career is last thing last thing for me here. But Caleb's future career, he needs he's he's losing NBA money here. He's, by looking well, checked out. He by is looking, losing professional money. Look, At this that's point, what, that's Caleb's not in the NBA. Well, you know, and we'll we'll see professionally, yes, if he's overseas. I mean, overseas, who knows? He's six foot nine. He's probably got a shot overseas yeah. somewhere. But my guess is he would like to be G League. He would like to be NBA. you got to look interested. And right now, the shot's on the sideline. He ain't looking interested. No, because that's, that's the point. Or that's, you know, th- I think that's that's one of the major things is when Caleb gets outworked or, or gets upset or it's slow getting back down the court. And then you're going to pick up another really quick – it's frustration. He gets inside his own head, and then he's on the bench for 20-plus minutes. And that's and – then, and then when you see him on the bench, he's not really looking at the court. Like, this team I, – I, th- I think it's pretty safe to say now this team starts and stops with Caleb. Obviously, you need John Michael Wright to play really well. You need to have Musa figure it out. Defensively, he's been all right, but he only had four boards against West Virginia, or TCU, excuse me, and then West Virginia was seven, so it was a little bit better. You need Musa to figure it out. You need, we need Ty- non-conference Musa. Absolutely. You need Tyreek Smith to continue to play, I think, about what you've gotten. I think he's had nine against, I think nine was, uh, yeah, nine against West Virginia, I think seven against TCU, so you'll take that. You need John Michael Wright to continue to play well. You need Asbury. He had 15 against West Virginia. You'll take that. Uh, but 8-9 and nine from the free throw line, that's huge, but you got to do more from the field, and then Bryce has to continue to play well. Newton's got to figure it out. You know, you can't have Caleb Fallon out or only picking up four points. Like, Will you have Newton this next game? Or is it? Oh, I don't know. I, that's, that's a I don't good know question. How that works. With, with him coming off the bench, he was ejected from the game, but he wasn't involved in the scrum. So I don't know what that I'd have yeah. to I'd have to find out if he's going to be available or is it like a first half second half thing like a targeting in football? Yeah, who knows? I got, I, you don't see ejections that often in college basketball. So yeah, it's uh, nitty gritty. They got seven conference wins. They need at least eight. You've got three. Here's the thing: going back to Kansas, Kansas to Texas Tech. Those are six winnable ball games. They're, you can't, they're not guaranteed wins, but they are winnable ball games. You still have three winnable ball games. Baylor is going to be an absolute bear, no pun intended. They're real good, but you've got them at home. And it's a revenge game. So if Oklahoma State figures it like you beat a number one Baylor team last year on the road, you can beat this team in home. You've got Kansas State. If this team is on, this team can beat Kansas State. You almost, you know, you played them within single digits in Manhattan. Texas Tech is going to be is going to be tough. It's in Lubbock. They're playing really well. Always but you, tough there, yeah. But you know how to beat them. 
now they'll have their two best players back that they didn't have against you the first time, but you just really need one win. Two two wins get you to nine guarantees you the NCAA tournament. It won't. It doesn't matter if you get blown out in the other game. You get nine wins, you're in the NCAA tournament. So it's nitty-gritty time for sure. But that's going to do it for the Pokes Report podcast. Again, check us out, pokesreport.com. we got a lot of football stuff coming up over the next couple of days. Obviously, we're still covering baseball and softball and basketball. Um, but we got a lot of premium football stuff up right now. we got a lot of football stuff coming over the next couple of weeks. Again, we're going to try to get Robert on at some point. Talk some spring football, how the how winter worked out, and what we're looking like going into spring. But for Brian Murphy, I'm Zach Lancaster. We'll talk to you next time here on pokesreport.com.